Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Our Lives in Medicine. This episode features Kelsey, an athletic trainer and all-around badass. Kelsey has worked with teams and individual athletes and branched out to start her own company, KML Movement. Kelsey also competes in various fitness and sporting events and can keep you healthy while also making you stronger. Check out her episode, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please feel free to share with others. Also like us on Instagram at Our Lives in Medicine and comment on the things you enjoyed about the episode. And as always, if you need some good beats to study or get some work done or catch some good vibes, listen to the intro and outro and tune into the end credits for the artist shoutouts. I hope you enjoy and have a great day. Kelsey, athletic trainer and just all around badass. What's going on? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, I appreciate you being a guest. I'm super excited. We had an awesome talk the other day and it was fun just getting a little, getting to nerd out a little bit with you. Oh yeah. I could do that any day and all day. So be ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, same, same. It's funny because, you know, in preparation, I had to, you know, I'm always trying to stay up on my stuff, but you know, I've been yeah. kind of going page by page through Supple Leopard, becoming a Supple Leopard. And so, you know, we were talking mm-hmm. about my hip and I was like, all right, I got to make sure I know a little bit about the hip again, because I've forgotten so much about like the pelvis and stuff. So I got to make sure I know my, my stuff. Oh, I love it. No, I mean, I respect anybody that goes and learns for themselves and dives in. So I love it. And yeah, definitely. We're going to get you fixed. I tell you that. <laughs> I'm excited because uh, it's funny, like, like last night I was watching TV with my girlfriend and my hip yeah. was just killing me as usual and I was like look I need you to traction mm. it I taught her how to traction it like a year ago and so she's been kind of whenever I'm in pain she'll traction it as best she can so that, that helps a lot mm-hmm. but um, there's definitely like we said there's more issues going on than just that so we'll we'll get into that in a little bit though but um, yeah so where are you from originally so I'm originally from Canton Ohio which is about two hours north of Columbus so I'm currently in Columbus not too far away from home Okay, got you, Canton, and now you're in Columbus. Yes, sir. Okay, sweet. I, it's funny. I talked to someone pretty recently who's at OSU, and so they're in Columbus oh. also. Yeah, yeah. Cool. No, it's cool um, Columbus. Here. Yeah, it is. It's nice for me personally because, yes, downtown, you can always go to it, but I live a little bit more on the suburbs outskirts, so it's nice to have my time away, but then you can also go if you really want to. 
Yeah, absolutely. And did you go to undergrad in that area as well? Yeah, so I went undergrad at Ohio State University, and then that's where I've stayed since undergrad. Okay, sweet. Kind of what was your route to becoming an athletic trainer? Oh, man, my it's an interesting route, I'll tell you that. So I, back in high school is when actually I first ever heard of an athletic training. It was actually from an injury I had on a four-wheeling accident that got me into the medical world period, but got me really aligned closely with physical therapists and athletic trainers to help the mental and physical side of returning back to the sport. Um, And then since that experience going through my high school, I knew that I wanted to impact lives the ways that physical therapists and athletic trainers impacted my life. And going into my undergrad, I actually had no idea that you couldn't major in physical therapy in undergrad. So I went into my (laughs) first, yeah, I went into my first um, orientation and they're like, Kels, what do you want to major in? And I'm like, physical therapy. And they're like, you can't do that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's then, a yeah. And so that's where I um, went into athletic training, and it was meant to be. I was able to get a lot of clinical experience through there, and it led me to the path that I'm on today. That's for sure. So it's a major, right? You do you declare it uh, in undergrad. It's like the major you graduate with athletic training, correct? Yeah, so now it's actually, it's just switched about a year or two ago, and it was an undergrad degree after four years, but then after that, now it's a master's program, so I was lucky to be able to get it within four, because it's transitioned now. Sounds like they just want more money for people. Right, <laughs> you never know with all that stuff, I mean, money drives almost everything. Right, waste more time and spend more money, that's perfect yeah. for the profession, right? So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, sweet. So what's the, what's the, uh, academic training like for that? So the academic training, it's actually pretty extensive in injury rehabilitation, injury prevention, all that, um, more sports medicine based training. But then what really drew me to it was the clinical side of it. And it, especially within certain athletic training programs, they all vary. Um, but they value the clinical experience right off the bat. So, you get into the program and then within that same semester you're already with teams really putting yourself in position to learn by trial and error Um, and so that's what one of the things that i really appreciated is yes you sit behind a desk you learn the details about it but as soon as you're ready to kind of get out there and put your skills to the test they allow you that opportunity which has helped me um, tremendously and not just the clinical part of it, but just also learning people skills and learning how to talk to people and um, and that part of it. What kind of are specific courses you take um, in your athletic training academic mm-hmm. portion? Mm-hmm. So initially sophomore, junior year, you take a lot of anatomy, physiology, um, heavy emphasis on the anatomy and just musculoskeletal system in that part. But then also after you take that more foundational classes, you dive heavily into lower body extremity, upper body extremity, um, in injury prevention, but also injury rehabilitation. So with specific athletic training, it's very musculoskeletal based. However, you also deal with a lot of acute injuries and that could be heart attacks. That could be anything from how do you take care of an acute broken leg and splint it to all the way of taking care of a broke or a sprained ankle 
that is about to go back to the court. So it's definitely two realms of it, of more acute care, but then also rehabilitation, which our coursework has emphasized extensively on that. Mm -hmm. That's pretty sweet. That sounds awesome. So it sounds like, you know, you get to understand the body and then also kind of how to patch it back up. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things is it's the body is so amazing to me. It's just the way that it works and the way that it all cohesively goes together. I um, it just fascinates me. So I've I've done personally dove a lot into the um, more neuroscience behind movement and that type of stuff, just because for me, it's your brain determines a lot. And so that's where I personally have also um, dove in into a little bit deeper in certain realms. Like what? Uh, give me an example. So there's actually a course out there, and I'll, I guess I'll give them a little shout out here. Is It's called Integrative Kinetic Neurology. And they, from what I've learned in undergrad, it was insanely valuable information. However, we looked at the body as specific body parts, meaning if you have a hip issue, we look at your hip. And after being in the field for a little bit, seeing certain bodies move, that's not always the case of maybe your hip's a symptom of something that's coming from somewhere else. So one of the main draws is your nervous system and your nervous system, which is your brain, your spinal cord, um, controls your movement. So if in that course we looked extensively of maybe there's something with your nervous system that is creating the output of this certain pain or this certain movement issue that you're having. So that's where personally me, I see the value in honing in on what our brain is doing, what our nervous system is doing to see then ours, is our issue, is our injury, is our pain a really similar going on. Yeah, sorry, I think it cut out again. But um, no, it's awesome. So the neuro kind of like the looking at the it's like we always you know, we get taught now I think it's kind of an antiquated idea like you were saying oh if your hip hurts it's got to be your hip but it could be your ankle it could be your tibia yeah. it could be your knee anything and the ankle is just kind of a reflexive oh result gosh, yeah. of that so that's cool and mm -hmm. have you have you heard of uh, new fit I have not like n-e-u-f-i-t it's like this um it's this kind of like a pretty new system and you have to get certified in using it. But basically what it does mm. is it maps the kind of neurokinetics. So basically what you will do is you'll get hooked up to, they put like 20 different patches on you and mm. you'll you know go through range of motion. So say you're having hip pain, they'll hook up your back, your TA, uh, you know, they'll look yeah. at your paraspinals, your TA, your quads, hamstrings, glutes, and then they'll put you through range of motions and they'll look mm. at where is this firing more or less. And it kind of wow. looks at... Um, and then what, what, then what it does, so it's diagnostic and then it's also treatment as well. So what it'll do is you'll mm. do, you know, 50 reps of squats and it'll fire in those locations that are under firing and it'll put you through concentric and eccentric contraction throughout the range of motion. It that is really, fascinating. It really sucks though. Like I've had it uh, done and it really sucks because <laughs> you're trying to squat and like your back is firing on all these weird places and your, you know, your hips yeah. are firing. It's, it sucks like uh, as a workout, but it's obviously fantastic as a workout. So. Wow. Um, that's fascinating and that um not to interrupt but that 
it aligns very similarly with um, what I've clinically discovered and what's more experiential learning than anything is I also dive really pretty heavily into the fitness world. And I try to combine the sports medicine medical world with the fitness world. Um, and what I found is a lot of, and I'll hone in on a certain specific part, is a lot of knee issues, for example, um, or even a lot of low back issues like you said, we tend to focus in on that one body part. However, a lot of times it's the body part that's the symptom of something greater. And similarly with what you said about the new fit is I have found that uh, more often than not, a lot of knee pain, a lot of low back pain stems from a compensation pattern that we are running. And that if you really get the mind-muscle connection of what we want to fire in a certain order that you're able to work out of that compensation pattern and then solve your knee injury or knee issues as a result. So I am really fascinated by that new fit because it sounds very similar to what I personally work with a lot of clients with. Um, so I'm definitely gonna have to dive into it after this. Yeah, I'm sure you'll like it. And because it kind yeah. of does for you, 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 I'm sure you've heard through training and just you know fitness training as well like concentrate on the on the firing of the muscle so when you're doing oh, your yeah. bench for example people will often say oh my shoulders hurt from benching but it's probably yes. because they're not con they're not concentrating on the you know the pec contraction and it's mm -hmm. getting more shoulder so it's the new fit kind of uh not to be a, not to sit here and try to plug it it's not like i'm getting paid for right. it but <laughs> right. it uh it was it was just great and i think that was just to bring it up because something you would probably find pretty interesting um, yeah yeah, so it's pretty cool, and it's a good modality. It definitely worked because, again, bringing up my hip, that's what I was going to PT for, and yeah, they were putting me through that. And I was like, oh, it's it seems weird, you know, you're not you're not firing, it's not contracting on my hip that hurts. Like that's not the problem. It's you know, it's mm -hmm. firing like my glute med on the it's like the contralateral glute med yep. is getting fired. That's probably because it's not moving when I'm doing my squat. Yes. You know? so, yeah, yeah. And I would be fascinated to even take that a step further of from my thoughts of I like how it will get you to be aware of what your body's doing, but then take it to the next step of then how can I get you aware of your own body to really mind muscle connection, control which muscles you want to contract and to be able to control which muscles compensate and that we don't necessarily want to hit. So it would be an interesting progression of, all right, we got you with this modality. Now, how can we get you by yourself to figure out how we can create that same feeling, that same contraction. Yeah, when you're at the gym by yourself without the new fit attached to you, can you do, can you exactly. focus on making that opposite glute med fire or that, you know, opposite exactly. or same side paraspinal or whatever, get involved mm. and, you know, limit that, um, limit the kind of overworking of the certain muscles. It's, oh, yeah, uh, definitely. It's probably kind of like why, you know, they typically say, you know, biceps get torn the most in, um, deadlifts it's like you hardly mm. ever hear of a hamstring tearing in a deadlift mm -hmm. it's mostly a bicep because that's probably underworked you know even mm -hmm. most powerlifters probably don't really work their biceps very much um mm -hmm. and that's why i think kind of the propensity for a hamstring tear with sprinters because the quad's probably overdeveloped versus the hamstring and that's trying to keep up and next thing you know it's, it's hanging down by your knee so it's it's uh yeah it's tough yeah it's I interesting mean, it's it's very interesting and that's you hit just very closely to what my big passion is of doing what I do and owning my business of being able to understand the compensation patterns and a lot like for example biceps and deadlift 
Um, yes, could they be underworked? For sure. However, a lot of bicep issues happen because our technique, our form, and we are not engaging the muscles that we want to engage. So then what happens? You end up compensating with a smaller muscle that isn't meant to do as much load as that. So that's where for me, if I can help you realize what you're supposed to feel, what you're supposed to do, man, the amount of injuries that we could prevent and hopefully not have you go through the whole entire surgery, rehab, all that stuff. That's, that's You're hitting close to home with me right there. Yeah. And I, I'm the same way. It's like we talked on the phone. That's kind of my ideas for down the road as well is that research into those kind of recovery modalities, training modalities, things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, it's what well, you brought that up. Let's talk about your business. What exactly um, can you describe that for me? Yeah, so it's um, it's been a journey. It's been one of it's definitely my favorite thing for sure. But I actually ended up so my going through undergrad that's when I went the athletic training route and going into my, I would say junior, senior year is when I started diving heavily into the fitness world and coming from more of a sports medicine background, going through the classes of injury prevention, what causes injury, all of this, I saw a very big divide that in my brain, it wasn't a divide, but it was that the fitness world is something different than the sports medicine medical world. And that a lot of injuries that I saw on the back end on the, the sports medicine side were actually sometimes caused by improper form or not doing stuff that's certain beneficial for the body. So then on the other side, I saw them in physical therapy. I saw them in athletic training when I'm like, man, we could have possibly prevented this from happening if we keyed, keyed in on like the sports medicine mindset before in your fitness. Um, so that's where I saw this divide there. And I'm like, you know what? It was not in my nature growing up to be the one to put myself out there to start a business. But for me personally, it's like, you know, if if you want to see a change, if you want to help people in certain realm, you have to be the change. And that's where right after undergrad, I started my own company called KML Movement that is really, it's transitioned a lot, but it has really been geared towards helping people first move and know that that's the first step in a lot of people's health journey. But then let's look a, li a little bit deeper of one, maybe certain aches and pains that we're we are having, how can I teach you? How can I educate you? How can I get you aware of your own body of maybe the knee pain that you have? You don't think you have to live with that for the rest of your life. But in fact, if we get you to move in a really more proper way that your body is utilizing the muscles that it really should be using, then you won't have that knee pain. Or on the flip side, of can I prevent injuries by moving our body in a more beneficial way? And then taking that deeper of movement's awesome, but then it's also about mindset. It's also about nutrition. It's also about so many other factors that, in my opinion, encompass the whole health of a human. And so that's where I've seen my company dive into more of movement is the number one, but then also let's support people in their overall health and hopefully help them while they're still getting into that healthy so then they don't turn to it um, and hit rock bottom before they we start coming back up right yeah absolutely and so let's say you have a new new client comes into you what's kind of the yeah. rundown that you kind of start with with a new person yeah that's a that's a good question and it's funny because 
there's definitely different routes. So I've had, I have people coming to me from third graders that are doing sport performance all the way to 75, 80 that just need to be able to move up their stairs without pain. Um, so there's definitely different routes for each individual. However, whenever it is movement-based, um, yes, I do online a lot of different online programs, online training, but I still have the same approach of first, I want to see how you're moving and I'll put them through more of a diagnostic, whether that's in person or whether that's via video for an online of I'll, I'll have five or six movements of I just want to see how you move. I don't want to cue you. I don't want I'm not judging you. I just want to see how you're moving. And maybe from there, I'm able to put some puzzle pieces together and then from that, we really approach it of, okay, what are your goals? What what do you want to get out of this? For some people, it's, Kels, I want to get up the stairs without pain. And some people, I'm like, you know what? Yes, I can help you. Other, I'm like, you may be more the physical therapy route, and I don't want to step on other medical professionals' toes. So I'll, I'll direct them in whatever way is best for them. Um, so it's determining their goals and then determining how I can support those goals. For a lot of my individuals, a lot of it is the community part of, yes, we are wanting to get strong, the strength, that that aspect is very important, but I have heavily influenced what community and what bringing people together can do just for everyone's mindset, for just the overall culture of everything. So it's I heavily emphasize the movement piece, but then also heavily influence that, hey, you're joining a community that will support you through the highs, the lows, the anything. And you know when you come and be a part of KML Movement that you are getting a team that is right there on your side. So I know that was a long way to go about saying it's kind of dependent, but movement and seeing their goals are definitely number one or number two on my list. No, that's awesome. Um, I think, you know, I have... I've had a couple guests on here that I've had, that are working on certain things, and I think there's that like for example that is awesome business. I'd love to highlight that you know obviously in the, no, the credits of your show, but I'm I'm putting I'm going back through old episodes and compiling stuff that certain people are working on, and I want to just kind of yeah. regularly highlight. And I definitely think that's a cool one to highlight as well. So oh, um, I appreciate it because like you said, I mean movement is so important. I mean ADLs, you know, daily living activities and things like that. I mean, if you can improve those for someone who's had issues mm -hmm. with them for years, whether it be, you know, like the, the kind of older patient just getting up the stairs, you, yeah. you see how happy they are that after yes. that month or two or three of training and then like, wow, I can get up the stairs. No problem. Yes. You know? mm -hmm. It's life changing. I'm telling you. That's cool. Yeah. That, yeah. That right there. I mean, you, you even saying that gets me excited and I'm like ready to go just because for me, that's, that's the important stuff of, can I write you a, the, a cool program to do, definitely. But for me, it's about the human that maybe doesn't realize their potential or is limiting their self about what they can do because they feel like they can't do it. And one of my favorite things is just seeing people's face light up of doing something that one, they either didn't think they could do or two, it just opens up a whole new world for them. And for me and, and the culture I want to build, it's that of getting you to unlock this little piece inside of you that then opens up this whole new reality and whole new potential. Mm, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. And it kind of brings me to a different question. You know, 
what are kind of common form issues that you see with people? You can pick any movement, <laughs> but what it, it's like, you know, do you see that it's um, kind of ego? Like, I, I can't get this with proper form, but I'm going to go for yeah. it anyway. Or do yeah. you see it's lack, of, <laughs> lack of knowledge? What do, you, what do you kind of see as common issues in form? I would say when you first asked that question, the number one thing that popped into my brain is just the self-awareness of where your body's at in space. And in medical terms, that's more proprioception of where are your hips at compare comparison to your back. So one of the biggest movement, I would say issues that I see is just simply bending over to pick something up. And this can be related to just daily living of picking up a box, or you can relate this to deadlifting of, I see individuals and I, this is when I move them through the movement screen that I do initially, um, I ask them, hey, this is on the floor. Can you show me how you one would deadlift or pick this up? So they know the terms that what I'm looking for. And nine times out of 10, if it's someone that hasn't really had much experience in the movement world, they'll be rounding their back they'll be picking it up with a big c in their back and i'll be like hey i'm like well what are you feeling when you do that and they're like well i kind of feel it here and just not being aware of one or connected to what their body's feeling and two where their body's at so i really try to hone in on getting them aware of one, my this is my hips. This is what I feel when my hips are back and I'm hip hinging. Or this is what I feel when I'm not hip hinging and I'm just bending over at my back. So that is by far the number one issue that I see and something that I try to address in everyone that I'm with of, I want you to feel where your body's at because then you can be your own teacher of, hey, am I doing this right or am I not doing this right? So by far, self-awareness is the number one point with movement. Mm. That's interesting because that kind of self- lack of self-awareness or, you know, intact self-awareness of, yeah. spa- you know, spatial understanding can help with pretty much all the causes of form ego, uh, you know, la- anything else, you know. It's, um, oh, yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, you were, you were yeah. talking about kind of your screening movement. It's funny because unless something is just like two, three, four, five pounds, I always, when I pick it up, I go all the way, I squat all the way down, like ass to grass. Yeah. I get my hands <laughs> under it and I lift all the way up Yeah. Uh, just because I'm always terrified of like, you know, it's always something light that hurts your back, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to bend over and just hint. And every time I do, every now and then I'll pick up my clothes basket or something like at the mm-hmm. hips and I, I won't really hinge. And it's like, oh my God, what did yeah. I just do? So yeah, yeah. it's true. No, careful. I call those the um I call those the mini reps. And I <laughs> did a yeah. few seminars with a certain a school here in Columbus and I did a whole seminar about the mini reps of life of it's not the one straw that broke your back, the camel's back for that reference. It's not that one time you picked up that tiny little box on the ground. It's the thousands of reps prior where we weren't aware of what our body's doing that led up to that one rep just putting it over the top. So like you said, it's those mini reps that mean the world to your body because your body keeps track. Everything you <laughs> yeah. move, every time you do something, your body just adds a tally of good movement or nope, here goes another one. And it's mm. just, it adds it up. And that's where if we can get you to do the mini reps where your body is doing movement in a in the proper way, I'm telling you, it's going to be night and day. 
you know, it's funny because kind of like the, the tally of movement, like you said, it's uh, and a lot of people do movements that they don't even understand, what, uh, you know, how they're doing it. For example, you know, putting something you're on a plane and you're putting something overhead from the ground. That's a cleaner yeah. jerk. You know, you just cleaned yeah. it and you jerked it to the, into the to the uh, to the storage unit. So yep. if you have bad form on your clean and jerk on the barbell, you're definitely going to have bad form with a, with a luggage, you know, so. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, that's to blown out shoulder waiting to happen. So it's definitely important. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's, it's funny you say that because I'll have some people come in and they're like, you know what? I'm just I'm just too out of shape or, you know, I'm just I, I'm not strong enough to get this. And then I'm like, it's not about being too out of shape. It's not about any of that. But it's about getting your body and moving in a way where we can do the daily stuff. We can do clean and jerking up. You might not realize that that's what you're doing when you're lifting that suitcase up. However, if I can simulate it in a gym, you're going to have no problem doing that in your daily life. And that's that's it's a pretty um, interesting correlation when you put it like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just like a like a, a power clean, that's like picking up a kid, you know, if you're, if you're yeah. a, a grandma or, you know, you're a mom and you're picking up your kid from the ground. That's kind of like a power clean right there. So, yeah, that's exactly it. Um. Speaking of kind of just gym movements, just as kind of a, a funny aside, what are movements you see done improperly the most, like most often at the gym? I would say the two things that by far stand out in my brain is one, deadlifting, mm-hmm. and two, lunging. It's kind of funny that I say lunging because it's a, you don't, when you think of the gym, you think squat, bench, deadlift, or you think these really big lifts. But I see lunging probably nine times out of 10 in a way that's not beneficial to people's bodies. So deadlifting and lunging are by far the two top ones, in my opinion. What are some of the things you see in lunging that's not beneficial? Two things definitely for lunging is one, people will, and I did this, so I'm not saying you, but I'm saying I did the same thing and I had to learn the hard way of Either people will be lunging forward and their weight shifts to their toes or they have these insanely really big heels on their shoes that makes their weight shift to their toes. So they're lunging their whole body with just the front and mid part of their foot all the way to their toes. So where does that weight then distribute to the rest of your body? It distributes a ton of pressure on your knees and doesn't recruit as much hamstring glute that we want with lunging. So it's very, very important to understand where your foot's at when you're lunging. And then two, a lot of that also predicts um, your knee movement. And I harp my athletes and especially my young girls about this all the time of when we're lunging, when we're squatting, I don't want to see your knees cave in and really basically knock need. And with lunges, you have to be very careful of making sure our knee either stays in line and doesn't really go across that midline position because it puts a lot of torque and a lot of unneeded pressure on the knee joint. And it's just asking for an injury, especially an ACL waiting to happen. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Even kind of, I try to, just for good measure, just try to almost like externally rotate on my lunges on the mm-hmm. way down just to make sure I don't bow in on the MCL so yeah yeah true. yeah I think uh I think that's awesome yeah it's a good point because um I was watching one of your videos the other day and it was just on the hip flexor stretch and yeah. you know the importance of how often that's that's un, uh, done improperly with kind of leaning into it and everything else when yeah. really you're supposed to kind of uh kneel into it almost but mm-hmm. I think uh 
and when, he, when someone commented um, something to the effect of, you know, I think I'm breathing wrong, to be honest with you at this yeah. point, thanks to, <laughs> thanks to all your videos. So, <laughs> and, and it's funny, I comment, no, it's uh, fun, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I commented back and I'm like, you know what, you might be because I was for the wrongest time. Exactly. So it's, it's pretty yeah. funny. That's what I was going to say. It's like to a degree, they possibly are. So um, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that. I asked that that whole question to begin with because one of the things I always see deadlifts for sure and like I mean god deadlifts make me hurt sometimes when I watch people mm-hmm. do it but uh, mm-hmm. lat pull downs I see that mm. done so improperly sometimes like yeah. to, the point where, to the point where it's funny at first and then I'm like man that is just not good yeah. so um I think uh yeah lat pull downs are one that get done very improperly and also just bicep curls uh you know you would yeah. think that's such a bro movement that you know bro science would have taught more about it yeah. but it's, if, you know, if you think about it it's not really isolating a lot of it. it's a lot of anterior delt things like that so um mm-hmm. it's interesting and like you said understanding yeah. the movement if you're not feeling it in your bicep and you're not doing it right so yeah that's true yeah yeah it's it's a it's a good point and it's funny i mean we could probably talk for five hours about all the details of movements and I wish I tell people I wish you could see just my brain going in 500 directions when I'm doing something because it's all about I need my body here I need my shoulder blade here but it's almost a form of like really meditation in a way of being so in tune with what your body's feeling that you get to kind of escape from everything else a little bit yeah absolutely it's like you're getting ready to go down for your squat. It might be heavier than, you know, you're going up on weight and really focusing in on, all right, make sure your core is contracted. Make sure my quads are firing. Yeah. Make sure my feet are webbed and, sp- and planted and digging into the ground. Kind of helps you get through the rep, you know, versus just being yeah. like, oh, this is heavy. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, let's see. I want to kind of, we got kind of on, on a good tangent. I like that tangent. But I did want to ask just a kind of question in your opinion. Can you kind of just define, you know, athletic trainer versus physical therapist? Yeah. So before I really dove into understanding the differences, I thought they were basically the same thing. And then you get into it and you're like, wow, they study the body. They study very similar courses. However, they're very different in sometimes of the approach. So athletic training specifically And this is more of the conventional route. There's 500 different routes that you can take. And I took a very unconventional route, but conventionally thought of athletic trainers, they're normally with a team. And this can range from all the way from middle school to a professional team. And athletic trainers specifically deal with, they're the go-to person if there's an acute injury. So if there's They're out on the court, a person goes down and they sprain their ankle all the way to they had an acute heart attack. They're the first ones to go on the medical front line. Um, And then from there, they determine, they do the evaluation. And so athletic training is a lot of the acute. And yes, they do the rehab. But then physical therapy, when you think conventionally, it's more of the post injury rehabilitation, evaluation, but distant from when it really happened. So athletic training, in my thought, and this is just in my opinion, of that's more of the acute care, if you think of differences, and then physical therapy, it's more of the rehabilitation slash distant evaluation from when the acute injury happened. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's a really pretty solid description because I needed that from my own knowledge because I wouldn't yeah. be able to tell you the difference. So, I mean, I had an idea, 
but like you said, that's it's important to know. Um, yeah, it's not it's not PTs going onto the court. You're right. It's it's the ATCs. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. and what what is really cool to see is I know especially at Ohio State football they have this. Of you'll see the collaboration between athletic trainers and physical therapists, and there's even an individual there that works for them that is an athletic trainer and a physical therapist. So it's a very they the values and the the reasoning behind it align very closely. It's just dependent on how you utilize your tools and what way you really go about um, whatever certification or whatever credential you have. Yeah, and kind of like you you know you're saying the the collaboration effort. We talked on the phone about this. Uh, I did a poster about a year ago and it was on a D1 lacrosse player who was having progressive mm-hmm. paralysis and mm. incontinence and uh, loss of vision and a lot of other weird symptoms. And the person that had, you know, uh, spearheaded that whole thing was the athletic trainer at the school. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was, you know, kind of got everyone alerted to it and others weren't taking the symptoms serious. The emergency yeah. room took two trips to the emergency room for even for him to get admitted so mm-hmm. it, and it was the athletic trainer calling and insisting this is not right this guy is a d1 you know uh athlete yeah. there's no reason he should be coming into my um my room in a wheelchair you know yeah. without having a, a brain injury you know so something's wrong and it turned out he had uh, acute disseminated encephalomyelitis so Jeez. he had a wicked just wicked like double bacterial and viral infection Jeez. yeah he ended up uh going he had to do inpatient rehab and um, he was out for a while. I think I think wow. he's running again now. I think he still plans for to go him. back and play again. So that's yeah. awesome for him. But yeah, that was. I mean, it all started with the athletic trainer. You know, kind of being wow. his um, a proponent for him and saying, "No, this is serious. Like, let's take him serious. This isn't just a joke." So yeah, I mean, that's yeah. something that we've talked heavily in athletic training and undergrads of. You are the advocate for the athlete. Like you are. You're in the position where it's. It's your decision of whether you take that responsibility of being the advocate and understanding and not just throwing it to the side or you don't take that responsibility. And and in my opinion, um, we have to take that really important of you're the advocate, you're trusted to be the advocate and you have to be take on that responsibility and, and take it home because those are at the end of the day, that's someone's life that you ultimately can determine some of the outcome with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask, too, what are some of the uh, I know you're kind of doing your own business now, so you might not see as many rare kind of conditions or cases. But at any point in your training, what were some kind of rare cases that you saw and how did you treat them? Mm, That's a good question. So like you said, right now, with regards to conditions wise, I I see a lot of the same stuff because it's more movement based. Um, However, back in more clinical experience, one individual, and this is more movement-based, what one individual is really sticking in my brain of, it was a chronic type injury. We we have evaled it, like it just, there was an issue with the adductor and that's the inside muscle of your leg that just was not getting better. And we were really trying to determine like what is going on and we ruled out a lot and then it ended up happening where she had her pubic synthesis right there it was just a little bit misaligned and then on that part it was you could tell it it was more of a shearing force so this poor girl she had the worst pain for a very long time 
and that paint ended up making its way to that shearing force and so we had an extensive rehab extensive um just helping her really get back to what that just activity of daily living was so that's um that was one where that pain radiates all the way down to your adductor. You think it's your adductor. However, like we said before, sometimes the point of pain isn't the cause of pain. So that one really stuck out in my brain. Um, and then I guess just another area that really sticks out in my brain is the amount of um, just mental illness that you as an athletic trainer see sometimes. And it's not, we're not a therapist, we're not of that nature. However, you form really relationships with these athletes and they trust you. And sometimes they open up about some mental issues they're having. And that's where uh, you have to understand your role and you have to understand when you should then refer to that next, to that next professional. And I know we talked about it on the phone of you have to understand of where your where is your expertise and then understand you're not a jack of all trades you you understand your expertise and that someone may be able to help certain individuals better so it's pretty interesting you don't think about that in athletic training it, it actually but you see a lot of different mental illnesses that then you have to um, prioritize and, and take that next action step with that's interesting, and right right along with kind of advocating, like we were talking about with your for your patient, um, yeah, you got to look out for them. I mean, the mental health, man, even in athletes, because it's kind of a, especially high level D one professional athletes. That's just a whole different. That's a mindset oh, yeah. that not many people have. So it's a mindset yeah. that can be almost almost self destructive at times. So you got to really kind of help cultivate it into a positive way so that's good and like you said Definitely. you're the front lines of that you're the ones noticing it the most I mean that's honestly that's where me now in my role that I play um, with my company that's something that is one of the most important things to me of and it's it's a different a little bit different realm of everyone is dealing with something on their own whether or not they want to admit it everyone has struggles that they go through and that's where for me giving a space to one, be able to be vulnerable enough to address some of the issues we're going through, but then two, to create a supportive space to work through it and understand that you are not your struggle and that you can overcome it, even if it seems like this big Mount Everest in front of you. So for me and thinking about health, um, yes, movement is important. However, that's a small piece to the puzzle and the mental health of everybody is something that needs to be addressed and something that needs to be a priority especially when you're talking about health in general yeah it's it's something you can't overcome <laughs> that's one piece you know you can overcome yeah. pain you can overcome things like that but that's one of those things that will be a barrier until you address it so absolutely yeah, exactly. um it reminds me of I don't, I don't know how much you follow crossfit but tia claire to me you know fittest yeah. woman on earth three four times in a row now and she probably would have gotten the title sooner, but she just couldn't get her head game in there. So she kept getting yeah. second. She took yep. some time, saw some, got a um, you know sports psychologist and worked with them. And then the next year and consecutive years since then, she's gotten the title and just dominated. Mm. So mental health, yeah, it's important. It'll push you through. So yeah, um, no, and it's it's funny. It's not funny that you say that, but it aligned really closely. I was actually talking with my mom 
about a week ago. And we were talking with my brother because he ended up getting a concussion and was just having some symptoms from it going on. But then she was talking about how, and I was talking about how your mindset and what you allow in your brain is one of the most important things with not only just your mental health, but then also your, how you get over and rehab an injury and and how you allow your body to either one be in a state of really a negative spot that will allow that injury to loom on or you allow your brain to determine hey I'm going to get better whether you think it or not you put your body you put your brain in a space that says I'm going to get better no matter what and that um when you're in those certain mindsets, she ended up having this pain in her leg for the longest time. And she really felt it in her body, but then she ended up having an MRI done and there was no outcome of pain. And, and so the doctor's like, Hey, you're fine. Like nothing's wrong. And then after he then told her, Hey, nothing's wrong. That pain went away and that, Mm. and that, that everything went away. And it just shows, it goes to show how important one, addressing the stuff, but then two, where is your mind at? Where are you creating something that maybe not as it necessarily isn't there, but you're focusing on it, which is increasing the intensity of it. So it's it's a really interesting, and that's why I get fascinated about the neurology part, because your brain is just so powerful, so powerful. Yeah, and we, we know so little about it. <laughs> it works yeah. just fine, independent of us, but we can't under- get a grasp of it. Yeah. <laughs> Another question I wanted to ask you is, you know, let's say you're graduating from, you know, your ATC program. What are mm-hmm. some routes that you can go to as a new graduate? Yeah, so there are definitely more conventional routes and there's some unconventional routes. So graduating athletic training, if you want to then, and I guess now it's grad school. So undergrad, I guess, is a not even an appropriate topic to talk about. So say you're graduating grad school as athletic training, um, you either one can work in with a team and that looks like from middle school high school college all the way to professional and so that's definitely more of the conventional route when you're thinking of an athletic trainer of working closely with a team or you can go the outpatient route and work in a medical office and do more um, sports medicine but also work closely with a doctor if that's the route and and do more outpatient work that way um also with athletic training, some people then end up going to physical therapy grad school. So that's also a route that I see a lot of individuals take from athletic training. I don't know how that will impact now that both athletic training and physical therapy are grad school. So that will be interesting to see that. Um, so I guess those would be, thinking about it, those are the three main routes that you go really when you're taking um athletic training to the next step for me I took none of them of course but those are probably the more conventional ones okay got you got you all right sweet and then so for you yourself what do you see for yourself down the road maybe like 10 years from now as a practitioner that's a good question um I'm a girl with some big dreams here going on so I will uh it's it's definitely when you say 10 years I want to conquer the world and do even more in 10 years, but we'll be a little bit more realistic here. Um, But what I definitely see in 10 years of KML movement in my company is, yes, addressing the movement part. However, having this facility and having this brand in general, 
that is a collaborative force between the fitness health, but then also the medical side. So I have a big passion for connecting and collaborating with other professionals, whether that be massage therapy, whether that be um, physical therapy, chiropractic, whatever that is. Um, I see the value in each medical professional's role and that, you know, sometimes things that I do not benefit from or can't help you with, maybe a chiropractor nutritionist can help you better. So I envision and I, it will happen is Kayla Movement will be a really big collaborative force for the medical and fitness side to hopefully bring to light a lot of um, just overall health benefits of preventing some issues that maybe happen, but then also being able to get people and pull people out of a vicious cycle that they might put themselves in and ultimately just not end well. So that's definitely what I envision that to be and, and on the forefront of a facility, but then also a big online presence with connecting people all across the world. You know, we talked on the phone and when you said that, I just like perked up because that's kind of something, you know, I would love to work on and to, a, to a kind of with similarities overlaps like that, you know, it's just kind of a yeah. one-stop shop for training and also recovery. Um, like you said, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. It's funny that across the country we still have you know similar plans and stuff so we're gonna have to work together maybe we can get our own spot oh yeah together oh my gosh yeah that'd be sweet but um yeah you know that'd be awesome it sounds like a really cool gig and like like you said just just as the as your brand grows and grows and gets more footing there's more things you can dig into and that's awesome mm -hmm. that's sweet it, like it, for me it gets me excited i'm like yeah that sounds sweet i hope it works out for you that's a, obviously it will you'll you'll, you'll bring it into reality I just mean in the sense of uh I can't wait for it yeah. to work out for you I guess oh, I appreciate it yeah no I when you even first reached out um I mean the fact that you have this podcast and that that's your you connect with all these medical professionals I mean it just aligned really close with everything that I believe in and it's how can you bring the best of the best together and be a, such a good force for good and be able to truly impact and help people's lives and so I respect you tremendously for your own mission and know that regardless, good humans attract good humans. So we're going to definitely be a force for good here. <laughs> right on. That sounds good. Um, sweet. So let's see. Let's kind of switch off of you know the ATC side. We've kind of hit that. I mean, we almost talked an hour about that. Very informative. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, very, I figured that's how it would go because I, I just realized. So um, that was very informative. But I got I wanted to get a little bit about you as well. Um, yeah. We talked about kind of like sports you played and things like that. You played in mm -hmm. high school and you played in college as well, I forget. Yeah, so I played basketball, volleyball in high school, which is pretty big around my hometown. Um, but then in college, well, I'll say in high school, I ended up saying, okay, I just got burnt out in especially basketball. That was more of a job than anything for me. And so I went up to college and I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll focus on college. I'll focus on the profession. And then to find my freshman year, I ended up joining and trying out for the rowing team for Ohio State and ended up making their novice team. So then we had practice every day. Like it was, it was a really cool experience and something that in a million years, I would have never thought I would have done. So I ended up my freshman year rowing for Ohio State um, on the novice team. And then as that spring of my freshman year kind of concluded, 
my program, it's especially with the clinical experience, it, it's either, okay, you choose athletic training or you choose pursuing sports. And for me, it's like my future was too important right there. So that's when I hung up the whole athlete title, even though I definitely had to get it back after a while. Um, but I hung that up for a little bit and then pursued athletic training. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you like the crew team? Oh my gosh. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like it was, <laughs> I hear, I it hear was up there with like the toughest sport. Oh my gosh. Like it's the mental part of it. I have so much respect for those and I never knew it until I went through it. And I remember, this is a funny story where you'll be, especially during wintertime in Ohio, you're not going to be on the river. And so we were in what's called an erg room and the rower machines are called ergs. So we would be in practice. And I mean, you would be on that machine for an hour and a half, two hours. And with this building lined up and we had windows that you could see a hotel or now it's a dorm building in front of us. And I remember counting the amount of windows on that building just to get my brain away from what I was doing on that machine. And <laughs> I would count the windows and then I would count the cars that drove by. And then I would count the little dots on the ceiling. Like it was, it was one of the most mentally challenging sports, but it was an awesome experience. You know that um, you were talking about the ERG and not to keep harping on CrossFit, but at one of the yeah. CrossFit games recently, one of the events was a marathon row. And <laughs> it was like, I think you had like a three hour time cap or something like that. And Man. people were just crapping out. So I can only imagine, you know, you have practice multiple times a week and that's kind of almost what you're doing multiple times a week. The yeah. mental game of that is, is crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it was. Physically, it was demanding, but mentally, man, you just wanted to get off that erg sometimes as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's one thing to be on the water. It's another thing to be on the erg, man. That's tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I was looking at your page as well. You compete in, is it figure or bikini or I forget which one is. Yeah, I compete in a little bit of everything. Um, I'm someone that cannot stay in the same place for a little while. So I initially competed in bikini and for bodybuilding and I've done six shows in that. And then I competed in powerlifting and then also power building, which was a good combination between the bodybuilding and powerlifting, um, have run a half marathon and done some bike races. But I, I was telling you prior when we were talking that the next little step for me is definitely the CrossFit realm. So we'll get started with it. Yeah, sweet. That's awesome. Um, I love it. It's just, it's because the reason I love it is kind of like with, you know, when you're doing powerlifting, you have your big three, you do a mm -hmm. little bit of a variation. You might do, you know, some single leg deadlifts after you do your regular pulls. You might pull sumo right. one day, whatever. But CrossFit, it's, it's uh, every day is different and there's yeah. just new challenges. You can't really get comfortable. And I, I like that a yes. lot. Yep. Um, I like that a lot. And what, what was your total for powerlifting? Oh my gosh, I don't even remember now. It was um, like fifteen hundred. Oh yeah, no, at least I think two thousand, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just. Oh man, easy. I actually did a, a, a meet in November, and I cannot remember it to be honest with you. I mean, it's nothing insane. I'm not like a insane power lifter by any means, but I like challenging myself um, in different realms, and I'm like, you know what, let's do it. So yeah. What's your best out of the three? Your best lift. Oh, deadlift by far. 
By far. That's like my, if I could choose one thing to do in a gym, I'll deadlift all day for you. Squat, no. Uh, Bent, no. (laughs) uh, I hate, I'm so bad at deadlifting and I'm so jealous of those people who are nasty deadlifters. Um, My like, my bench and my deadlift are close and that's embarrassing but uh oh that's funny it's funny, <laughs> well either you're really sp- strong in bench though maybe you're really strong in bench in that one or it's the the, the converse <laughs> it's i think it's a little bit of both like i I'm, yeah i love and it's funny because i love squatting i love front squats back squats overhead squats high bar low oh, bar i love man. squatting i hate deadlifting and i think it's because i'm <laughs> short and i have short arms so it's kind of like that's already uh not, not to make excuses but yeah. there are, you know, so it makes it easier for bench. Just like if you have, you know, freaking 10 foot wingspan, bench is harder. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Like my squats is my squats way above my other two. And then my bench is almost as good as my deadlift. <laughs> so it's oh, like, that's funny. Well, we'll have to talk because uh, my squat and bench are not my strong suits. So we'll just <laughs> kind of trade off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I used to pull sumo too, and then I switched just because I was doing a hybrid Olympic powerlifting program. And oh, I was okay. Like, All right, well, if I'm pulling sumo and then I'm, you know, conventional off the ground for cleans and snatches, I'm right. going to just practice conventional, but I hate conventional. So, <laughs> it oh, my, it's fun. We're, we must be really opposite then because I love conventional, I hate sumo. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And it's funny. It's, it is what it is. So, um, yeah. I, mean, I have a, one of my classmates. Well, now he's, you know, anesthesiology resident, but he, um, he trains at um, what is the one in Miami? The one where Steffi Cohen is um, mm, hybrid hybrid uh, performance. That yeah one. yeah yeah. He trains there, and then, you know I go That's work out cool. with him sometimes, and he's like, "All right, let's warm up with deadlifts." You know, we hit one thirty five, two twenty five, three fifteen. I'm like, "Bro, slow down." You know, just because yeah. you. I mean, he pulls like six seventy five, so I'm over here like. 350 is my one rep max and he's over so we get to 225 i'm already you know getting close i'm already yeah. pretty tired so that's um, wild yeah he's one of those tanks but his squat is only like 435 it's like i don't understand man yeah <laughs> doesn't add up no he doesn't he's he's a weird kid all around so that's pretty funny he's a good dude though so yeah it's funny um and you said uh what was it power building what was that again yeah, so it was a show where you it's it's a pretty cool concept. I really like it where you have this whole entire weekend and on I think it was a Saturday Sunday show. So Sunday you did your bodybuilding show and then so you have to be aesthetic for that. However, that next day you have a powerlifting meet. So it's you have to meet in the middle of aesthetics and strength. And it's a pretty fun and challenging type of environment because you can't be so, and I see this in bodybuilding a lot, is you get so ripped that sometimes your strength lacks and decreases. But then at the same time, powerlifting, you can't just be about the strength. You still have to have the aesthetic part about it. So it was definitely a fun and challenging um, competition. And we were talking about this as well, which got me super pumped. You, uh, you being in Columbus, you know about Westside Barbell Club, right? Yeah, yes, I do. We were talking about it. And you got to train there, you said, too? Yeah, I was fortunate. It's, it's funny. I actually, I sat down, I think it was my senior year of college or maybe a year after, and I just brainstormed about all these goals I had for my life. And for one reason, one goal was to train at Westside Barbell. And knowing Westside Barbell, it's a very intense place. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know if I could ever get in there, but let me try. So I ended up posting on social media that, 
hey, I have a goal of getting getting in training at Westside Barbell just because I really respect what they do. And I ended up having a friend that I really had no idea that she had this connection at the time. But um, I had a friend and someone that I really respect. Her husband actually trains there. And she goes, Kel, she goes, I can vouch for you and get you in there if you really want. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let's go. So she ended up giving me a really good contact to just ask if I could even train there. And so I ended up training there really early one morning. And a side story, I'll tell it real quick. Of It's in Columbus, Ohio, but it's also not in one of the best areas in Columbus. So we were, I was driving there, maybe it was 3 in the morning. And everything's pitch black. I had no clue where I was going. My GPS was just giving me some issues. So I ended up pulling in this random parking lot. And there was no one there. All the lights were off. And I'm like, it just did not feel good. I was like, what is happening right now? So I just got a really not good feeling in like the deep pit of my stomach. So I reversed my Jeep really quick to find out there was a light pole behind me when I was reversing. And I didn't even care. Yeah, I didn't even care that I hit it. I just wanted to get out of there so fast. So then I ended up driving out and finally found Westside Barbell. But then I looked at my um, Jeep Wrangler at the end. And there's a nice big old dent in the bumper. And do you know it to this day, there is still a dent in that Jeep Wrangler bumper. <laughs> Sweet. That's awesome. That's, a, <laughs> that's probably the only time having that dent would be cool is because of that story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Kels, we got to move on from that. You got to get a new bumper now. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the bumper off and frame it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's sweet. And then we also talked, you said that you just finished your yoga certification too, right? Yeah, I actually um, just finished all the classwork and I test out. It's actually in 10 days, so it's pretty close coming up here to test out for it. What made you, what got you into the yoga instructor side? Uh, of course, jumping into something that was completely random for me. Um, but I actually, I meet with a I really respect her. She's a PT here in Columbus and someone that I respect just the way she practices. And we were meeting one day and she goes, Kel, she goes, I'm, I'm doing a yoga certification. And I'm like, oh, really? That's pretty cool. And she goes and talks about this um, company that she's taking it with, how she has been waiting like six years to take it. And she just really respects this individual and these two individuals that are leading this yoga certification. And it started the next week. And she goes, do you want to do it with me? And I'm thinking in my brain, hell yeah. But then I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, you really want to add something else to your plate because I jump into everything pretty quick and and usually it piles up. Um, But I ended up just thinking about it for a few days and I ended up jumping in and doing yoga because one of my main thoughts was, one, me personally, I'm someone that is very high energy and, and try to be high energy for all my clients and, and bring a good, just good vibe to them. But at the same time, I am so always high energy that it's really hard for me to slow my body down, slow myself down. And just, I know the benefits of slowing down, but being in the environment that I try to, to provide, but then also having to go, go, go with business, like, just having the complete opposite end of the spectrum is still and, and is really important to me. So personally, I'm like, you know what, this is a really good decision because maybe it will force me to slow down, which one I need. Um, but then on the other hand of, I see the value 
of helping people to slow down, but then also a different aspect of movement. And I work with, and I'm blessed to work with a ton of uh, more middle-aged individuals that, yes, do they need strength? For sure. Like, I will advocate that to anyone for the day I die. But at the same time, just like me personally, yes, we can get you the strength part, but I also need to kind of flip you on your side and also get you to slow down and breathe in that part of it. So professionally, I'm like, you know, this might be one of the best decisions I can make right now because I'm able to provide a different type of movement than what I do from powerlifting strength, that part. And so I have personally found it exponentially beneficial of um, helping people in a whole different way with that. That's awesome. And it's such a, I feel like I'm sure I've never instructed, but I can only imagine that that's also mentally rewarding as well because you get the mental benefit from the exercise but then also knowing that you're doing it for others and just kind of like leading the the pack that's pretty awesome that's sweet yeah yeah and it's I I find myself in a really cool and I, I believe that I was blessed to be put in the position that I am of I've been able to connect um certain people of like that maybe wouldn't be attracted to yoga or maybe wouldn't be attracted to like the nerdy parts of health that I go down, but (laughs) I'm able to kind of be the bridge of this different side of health, different side of movement and connect it and bring it to the everyday person. So that's where I found my position. I'm like, you know, I have to do everything I can to really be this bridge to bring people all different types of stuff. Well, listen, if you ever need someone to get nerdy with about medicine or (laughs) fitness or anything, just shoot me a text because I'm always down to talk, talk nerdy stuff. Like, I love it. It's, uh, I love that. I realize that's like, you know, I'm going into sports med and I realized during medical school that that was definitely the right move because, yeah, yeah, I should be studying GI, but really I'm looking at, you know, the Journal of um, Sports Conditioning or, I'm looking yeah. at general sports medicine or the CSCS, you know, catalogs and things. So yeah, I realize that's kind of where I'm going. So <laughs> it makes that's sense. That's awesome, if you ever, though. Yeah, if you ever want to nerd out, let me know. So oh, I'm telling you, I yes, that could you get me on tangents in every different direction. I love hearing other people's perspectives too. You know, exactly. I I like hearing what they think and what what their outlook is. So it's it's definitely interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And then, you know, last thing I was going to say, too, is uh, congrats on being a dog mom. I saw that as well. You know, oh. <laughs> anyone who's a dog parent, you know, definitely gets an extra boost in my book. So, oh, my gosh, he is my little man. I'll tell you, he goes to the gym every morning with me when we're not in quarantine. Um, but he's he's my little dog, gym gym buddy. And he's been definitely with me since even before my business. But I think at the gym, people like him more than me, and I'm okay with that. Like, I am 100% okay yeah. with it. <laughs> you can't, that's a hard competition anyway. You know, you, you yeah. a losing battle, so. Yeah, I'm <laughs> okay. How long have you had him? We ended up getting him my senior year, so what it would have been maybe three, two, three years ago. Okay, wow. So you're, yeah. you're, you're young, you're a relatively young dog mom, so, you know. You oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they just get. Like I had mine for six years, and oh it's like man, every every day it's just closer and closer. And every time I have to be away from her, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. So it's. Um, I told him I was like, you dude, Captain, and his name's Captain. I'm like, you're not allowed to die. Like it's just I'm I not know. letting it happen, and it's just not going to happen. I know. I uh, I get sad sometimes. <laughs> it's stupid. Cause I get sad. Like 
thinking about that, you know, down the road. Yeah. It's like, well, just enjoy the moment now, dummy. But yeah. <laughs> it's hard, you know, I enjoy the moment so much that I'm like, I don't want these moments to ever go away. But yeah. Um, oh, I love that. Though. I'm the same way. Yeah, it's true. And so we'll have to, we'll have to exchange dog pics after this, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Lila, Lila's a, you know, it's funny, you took, you can take your dog to the gym. My, Lila is just so protective. And, you know, she was abandoned. So I got her from the oh, shelter. She'd been abused yeah. and abandoned. And so she really has pretty bad separation anxiety. Oh, and my so, gosh. And she's also just so protective of me. And so if I take her to the gym, she's going to growl at anyone who walks by. Like, oh. you know, they're trying to take over and trying to hurt me. So I, I have to leave her at home. I can't take her to bars. I can't take her. Oh. Unfortunately, I had to leave her home. And she does great at the dog park. But she just doesn't yeah. do well with a lot of stimulation. So Now, what um, kind is she? She's a Whippet Greyhound mix. Oh, how cute. Yeah, she's adorable unless she's out and being psycho. So Yeah. <laughs> but, um, That's funny. Yeah. And what kind do you have? Uh, he's a, they called him a Pitbull Shepherd mix. It's, he's oh, a, he looks very intimidating, but he is about the biggest baby you could ever meet. So he's, it's pretty funny that people will, I'll be walking him and people will literally just go to the other side of the street because we're even in their direction. And I'm like, if they only knew that he would just roll over and lay on his back for you to rub him, like it's, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. That's so funny. Yeah. Big, big baby is good. And then the little ones who are not intimidating, those are the ones who want to fight you, you know? Oh, they'll get you. I'm telling you. Yeah, those little ankle biters are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. Well, uh, yeah, I think it's been an awesome conversation. I think I've learned a lot. I hope we've got to exchange a good bit. Um, oh I usually gosh, have yeah. a couple. I have four wrap-up questions if you're good to wrap up. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate One, I appreciate you having me on. I love talking about this stuff. But two, yeah, whatever you have, fire it at me. All right, perfect. So the first question I ask everyone is, has um, being an athletic trainer been what you expected? That's a good question. Um, I really had no expectations for it because I had no clue that I wanted to dive into that route, especially going into my freshman year. Um, but I'll say doing and practicing athletic training in the way that I do is completely different than what I ever thought beginning the program. Um, so it's it's something that I would not have traded the experience and the clinical knowledge for the world, but completely different than I expected heading into my athletic training um, undergrad. Okay. Okay. And then the next question is, um, what are keys to success as an athletic trainer? I would say, and I, and I say this just keys to success in life is, um, one, you have to be the example. You have to lead in a way where, you have to embody everything that you then project and help with and talk with other people with. Um, and that's something that is really important to me is this congruence of what I'm saying to you and what I am and advocating for you to do, I'm doing myself. And that's something that I, I saw on both ends in the athletic training world of individuals that led in a way by example. And then the athletes, the patients that would understand and follow their guidance would be exponentially different compared to the individuals that maybe led a life that wasn't congruent with what they were trying to say. And you could see the people and the individuals that bought into it because of the way that they led versus the individuals that were like, you could tell they were looking, they're like, you don't even live that life. So why are you trying to tell me to live that type of life? 
And so I'll say this, that um, just the congruency of whatever you're saying, you have to also embody yourself and be the leader in that type of way. Absolutely. Kind of like the doctor who says don't smoke and then you see them outside smoking. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Come on. come on, man. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's very, very true. Kind of practice what you preach, especially when mm-hmm. you're in that position. You're supposed to be the one that kind of sets the example. So and it sucks because some people, you know, if you, for example, with smoking, I mean, it's not easy to quit smoking. Right. Uh, and it sucks that that's kind of the role you're expected to do is be the example but it is also the role you're expected to do and people look up to you for that and if you have someone who's you know for example you're trying to get someone to get in shape and your 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 loved one is trying to get need them to get in shape and their doctor or their trainer or their whatever is out of shape it's like what's their motivation you know how are you gonna convince them so absolutely Yeah. yeah and then the next question is you know you're out of school you're practicing now what would be advice to um current uh, athletic trainer students one there's there's two pieces of advice I would say one is put yourself in the position to be really uncomfortable and to learn in the really uncomfortable moments and the reason I say that and the why behind of what I say that is is especially during your clinical experience and I bet you've experienced this sometime in your clinical part of there's going to be positions where you, for example, being an athletic training student, you just learned how to eval an ankle and you're just fresh out. You really don't know. You're not confident in your skills yet. However, the athletic trainer, the certified athletic trainer says, hey, Kelsey, do you want to take this eval? And they'll be right there. They'll be watching you. You're not going to be able to do anything wrong or detriment to the patient or athlete. However, you in that position have a a decision to make of, yes, I will put myself in this uncomfortable position and I may mess up. I may fail. I may just fall flat on my face. However, I am willing to put myself in that uncomfortable position and ultimately I will learn better from that position. Or you have the decision to make of, you know what, I'm going to stay in my little shell. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm not going to pursue maybe a, a uncomfortable place because I don't want to feel like that. And I have seen personally, I'm not someone that I like my comfort zone for sure. Like that's my nature. However, I've realized over time that I don't grow and I don't learn from that comfort zone. So I advocate for any athletic training student to take any an opportunity that you can to put yourself in that position and that it will pay off exponentially, not only for your skills, but also for your confidence. And that's when you are with patients, you know better than even I probably do of it. You have to be very confident with what you're doing. And it doesn't mean that you are the best of the best, because I believe I have so much to learn. However, you have to portray like, hey, I've been this, I've done, I know what I'm doing. So that patient feels confident, that patient feels secure and can trust that you're doing what's best for them. Um, so that's a long rant to say, put yourself in an uncomfortable position and learn in that uncomfortable position. And then two is be so careful and um, and take advantage of every individual you meet. And this can be from the doorman that, that helps you open your door when you go to an arena to the athletic trainer that you work under. And that's something that I am definitely very, it's very close and aligns really closely with my just outlook of 
you have to treat everybody with the respect that you want to receive. And ultimately, you have no clue where you'll meet them or where they might pop up in your life later. So really get to know every single person and and make them feel welcome because at the end of the day, they might help you, you might help them, and and that's really important when you are creating that network within. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And everyone, it's a collaborative effort, like you said. Yeah. So yeah, life in general can be a collaborative effort, you know, if we make it Oh, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so in the last question is if you woke up tomorrow and you were 10 years old, would you do it all over again to end up where you are now? Oh, hell yeah. I'll leave. I don't know if I can cuss. I don't know if I could cuss on that. Um, you in can say show, whatever you want. <laughs> but I will say, hell yeah. Um, I would tell myself back in 10 years old of Kels, don't care about what people think as much as you do and step out of your comfort zone way sooner than you have. But at the end of the day, it ultimately led me here and I would not be anywhere else than where I am today. That's for sure. Sweet, sweet. And as long as you're over 18, you can say whatever you want. So, uh, you no, know, there we good. go. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I'm 24, so we're perfect. <laughs> All right, perfect. I'll allow it then. So that's sweet. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I loved this conversation. I, I learned a lot and it was really cool just to kind of get your perspective because um, you know, you're my first athletic trainer. You won't be the last, but it's, right. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, it's, it's cool because it's, it's a unique field within healthcare that probably gets overlooked as a, even a part of healthcare. So I wanted to definitely, definitely include yeah. it. So thanks so much for being an awesome guest. I really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you having me. And I know that I support you and everything you are doing here exponentially. And that um, giving other individuals the voice to explain their profession, but then also collaborate within is something amazing and that I will be forever an advocate for. Awesome. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to take me probably a week or so. I have a couple episodes in the queue to kind of finish editing. But then once I get this one done, I'll let you know and we'll go from there. It'll be awesome. And I'm excited. Yeah. And I I really do want to reach out to you uh, about my hip because it sounds like you have a lot of stuff and my hip is, you know, just super annoying. So, you know, in the next (laughs) few days, I'll probably reach out to you just to kind of get information maybe about even just becoming a client or whatever. So. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would love to help you even without being a client. I just I know we can get you to feel better. And I have all the faith in the world that you'll be. um definitely hopefully without pain but then also minimizing that pain exponentially yeah that's the those are music to my ears right there so sweet so yeah well kelsey thank you so much um it was awesome time and yeah i'll I'll keep you posted so thank you again awesome well i appreciate your time thank you for spending 90 minutes with me who would have (laughs) thought i know right it blew by though didn't it it did it did i could be talking for two more hours I know. Same here. So we, that's kind of why I was like, all right, you know what? I, I got to I gotta wrap it in. I don't want yeah. the episodes to go too long. So yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, thanks again. And I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye. All right, everyone. That was Kelsey, athletic trainer. Super interesting conversation. Learned a lot about the field and kind of just her life in general. Hope you enjoyed it as well. And to those in the game and those on their way up, keep grinding and don't let anyone take your dream away from you.
perfect thank you guys so much for listening i want to give a quick shout out to the artists the intro song is called doc by eerie e-e-r-y you can find eerie on soundcloud.com slash eerie e-e-r-y you can find him on instagram at eerie glow e-e-r-y g-l-o and spotify.com search for eerie the outro that song is called lackadaisical and that's by j0xzy You can find J0XZY on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify by searching J0XZY. Hope you guys enjoyed and have a great day.